one of the things that I also see changing is like each field becoming more and more complex. Uh, I remember back about six years ago where you could be pretty good generalist and kind of know a little bit about everything and be really good and being able to run the entire project by your own. Now, I don't think that's possible. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On today's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I'll get to speak with Tim Partsevich, and I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but he's going he's gonna to explain his name for us once we get there. But he is from Smart IT. And during his professional career, he's helped many companies apply better sales and marketing processes and achieve their revenue goals and scale. Today, he's fully focused on their HR tech product called Juggle. That's J-U-G-G-L, a platform to consolidate recruitment, interviewing, and payroll. And his team at Juggle focuses on two dimensions, propelling outstaffing services and developing an HR tech solution to ease complex global hiring. The most viable marketing channels that he sticks to are LinkedIn and Google. And he is going to be talking about the workforce and how things are changing. And of course, we talk a lot about marketing and he's worked on both the agency side and client side and lots of good nuggets to listen to. But first, it's time for our marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to help you continue to build your brand and your bottom line. And I did a two-part series. So last week, if you want to go back and listen, I am giving you 20 KPIs to measure. I like to call them kept promise indicators because we want to measure what we treasure, dump what we don't. And so I'm going to continue on with our ways to continue to measure our marketing. And we definitely talk about how data is so important to us in understanding and interpreting the data. And last time we talked about the lifetime value of a customer, sales growth, the number of leads that you get, quality and quantity, right? And then, of course, how you can use all of the digital tools that you can continue to track and keep those promises or key performance indicators, kept promise indicators, right? And looking at how much you're spending on your customers to acquire them. And then, of course, what your sales response and the length of time you have, the sales cycle, how long it takes for people to buy from you and measuring that and doing things that are going to help make it more efficient, that takes less time to buy because there's less barriers, less objections in the way, things like that. And of course, measuring your website traffic and looking at what leads you get on your website and using those numbers to track the lead to marketing qualified lead ratio. And of course, other things that you can measure is quoted to close customer ratio, monitoring where and the number of prospects your sales team converts into actual customers. What's your close rate? How many of those people that you've talked to and proposed to actually buy from you? What's your close rate? And of course, your website traffic, looking at organic traffic tools, things that you're doing to pay get to get there. So there's paid, there's organic, there's earned media, there's earned traffic, all the things, right? 
looking at your Google Analytics and Google Search Console, or of course, using things like SEMrush or other types of data that you can purchase that will help interpret the data for you. And then other things you can look at, like your social media reach and engagement. How many people are liking, commenting, sharing, and, and viewing? All of those things are important. And if not only that, but are the right people viewing your social media and engaging with you? Is it Are you reaching the right audience? Are you resonating with them? Are you where they are at? What tools are they using more? And doing surveys to help you understand what kinds of tools are they using? Is it, are they on TikTok? Are they Instagram? Are they on Snapchat? Or are they on Pinterest? LinkedIn, where are they? And how can you reach them best? Another thing you can use to measure what we treasure is your email marketing performance, open rates, delivery rates, unsubscription rates, bounce rates. How many forwards and shares or click-throughs has your audience used? And what are you doing to improve your marketing in your email marketing strategy? How are you getting through the clutter? How are you getting people to open your message? Maybe comparing and contrasting what works, what doesn't work, and why, what links have they clicked on and why, and how much of that is getting done so that you can continue to improve your process and do iterations of more links of more things that people want and what kind of headlines and subjects lines are working what's not looking at also your inbound link building so the link backs that people will link to your website and then of course if you link out to the sites that are out there that you want more traffic from so looking at kind of how you can build your SEO, your search engine optimization by using link backs or link building. The more people that link to your website, and of course the people that have a lot more traffic on their site and they link to your site will help your search engine. And of course those inbound links can really increase your rankings too. Birds of a feather stick together, right? So you want to elevate and leverage other people's blogs or other people's websites that link back to you um, that have more traffic than you do to then help you continue to elevate and you know get those relevant relevant and reputable domains coming to you and sometimes you can have a link back strategy that would help elevate that for you and then looking at your landing page conversions, building your website with landing pages um, that can clearly state what your offer or your CTA, your call to action. Uh, there's a number of ways to get people to your website, but then what do they do after that? You can track how they navigate your site, when they click, or if they disappear, right? They bounce off your site because they don't want to be there anymore. Or something offended them or, or something wasn't what they wanted or whatever the case might be. Track it, follow it. What are they doing? What are your conversion rates, right? Make appropriate use of the landing page conversions. How many people are clicking to buy or what is it that you want them to do? What's that call to action? What action do you want them to take after having visited your site? You've done all the work to get them there. Now, what is it you want them to do while they're there and tracking all of those things? Looking at your blog post visits and thinking about how you can engage with the people who are reading your blog posts, asking them questions, getting them to post and comment and getting more traction and reaction to your blog posts and looking at the engagement among all of your potential customers that want to buy from you and thinking about the types of blog posts that you want to, to do so that way they can be attracted to your site and go there and read more and come back again and subscribe and be a part of it and paying attention to the quality and the length and the 
keywords that you're using. We use a tool called Surfer and we look at how many keywords we're using, ways that we can maybe use them better or phrases that we want so that people can find us because of the phrases that they're using to search. And of course, using voice search optimization now too. People are asking questions to all of their smart devices, their smart TVs, Google, Alexa, your Siri on your watch, all the things. What are the results that are going to be served up based on the questions that people are asking? And then mobile traffic leads and conversion rates mobile first, think mobile first, because people are on their mobile devices more so than anything. So is your website well optimized for smartphones, for mobile devices, right? Millions of people are using the internet on their smartphones or their smart TVs or any smart devices, right? How is your website responsive to the different displays that are out there? Is the monitor small? Is it big? Is it a, you know, tap screen? Is it, what, what is it? Every type of device needs a way to be able to display it. And so it's got to be a responsive design and optimized for those smartphones, right? And you're wanting to have information where you can have the visitors on your site be able to click to call easily or tap to call easily or getting the information that they want very easily in that mobile space in place because sometimes those screens are pretty tiny. So you want to make sure that it's legible and then tracking all of that. Pay attention to what devices people are using, how they're using them. What is your mobile traffic? What kind of leads are you getting and conversions are you getting from those mobile devices? What can you tell about the customers who are using them? What types of things are they clicking on most? All of the things, right? Then looking at organic traffic and your top five entry pages. So how are people getting to you? We want to see what the majority of your traffic is coming from in the organic spaces and how are we being able to be found on the website? How are they finding on the website on their own in an organic setting? What kind of things are they using to get to you without having to have paid ads to reach you. So optimizing, increasing that organic traffic um, so that you can continue to refine and hone in on your SEO strategy and looking at what the top five blog posts are on your landing pages or what your top five landing pages are for your website and then leveraging them and doing more of the same thing that works really well, but tweaking it to make it even better and having that iterative mindset of continuing to iterate every single time. Another KPI you can look at is called Net Promoter Score. This is a KPI that really can measure your customer satisfaction. So you've done all the work to get them to be a customer and now they're a customer. How satisfied are they? Are they going to tell everybody about you in a good, positive way? Use their word of mouth advertising to share and show and talk about the services or products that you've been able to provide to them? What's the likelihood that this customer, that you've done so much work to get them on board, how likely would they be, and you can do it on a scale of one to 10 or however you decide, uh, how likely would they be to recommend your business to others? How can they share about you and give direct feedback and get that direct feedback and insights from your customer to see what would their score, what would they rank you on a scale of one to 10, how likely they would be to share your product or service with other people that are in their sphere of influence 
understanding what they would truly need or what kind of feedback they would give you. If it's a bad score, then why? Find out why. What was the the negative connotation that happened or what was the positive sentiment if they were, you know, loving you and wanting to share your product or service or your their experience with your brand with others? Why? Replicate that. Do it again. Do more of what's good and what's working. So following your net promoter score and what your customer satisfaction ranking is. Other things you can look at is the following growth. Your clients, if they're going to share and show and tell and talk about you, give them ways to easily do it. Reward them, right? Raise five R's, ratings, rankings, recommendations, referrals, and then of course, thumbs up for rewards. Reward those people who do all of those wonderful things for you and give you those referrals and recommendations and ratings and rankings and all the things, right? Then the last one we'll talk about here is your search rankings. Look at how popular your website is. What's the search engine results page of your website? How are you showing up on Google when people search for you? And what can you do to improve that ranking? And how can you continue to get that organic growth to where you rank the top of the page even more? So monitor your organic and paid positions in your search engine results page when you come up. Are you on, are you the first page? Are you the first on the list or are others on the list? And you can look at what they're doing and see how they are getting ranked so well. And then you can do things to maybe outrank them. You can look at their, their website, see what kinds of things they're doing. What's working? Why are they ranked organically to the top? Or maybe they're on a paid ad. What are they doing? What kind of verbiage are they using? Can you do it better? And you can use lots of different position tracking tools on SEMrush and other you know, tools that you can use to understand what your search engine results are doing and how your keywords are performing and what kinds of data you can collect and continue to navigate your position to continue to get to the top of the list in your keyword ranking and see what you can do to outdo, outpace, outrank your competitors. And in conclusion, really, there's lots of different ways that you can measure what we treasure, dump what we don't, and automate what we hate. (laughs) Measure what you treasure, dump what you don't, automate what you hate. All right, now we have in store for you a wonderful interview with Tim. So let's take it away. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Tim. And you're going to have to say your last name for me, Tim. <laughs> well, you, you can just show it into Partas, but it's Partasevich. Yeah, it's Eastern European name. I love and it. I, it's a little bit difficult to pronounce to English speakers, but any like non-Eastern European speaker have to yeah. <laughs> yep, I it's always a thing. I, I try not to butcher people's names, but uh, that's why I said, oh nope, Tim's gonna have to do it on his own. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's fine. That's fine. Like I I, I lived like in UK for five years uh, when I was back in university, and everyone was just looking at my name and just trying to like. And I just saw them in their eyes, like, what what the hell is that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, at least your first name is easy to pronounce, right, Timothy? Timothy is good. (laughs) 
So, okay, Tim, tell us a little bit, um, just for our audience, uh, and, I, and I'll have read your bio, but just from your own words, share a little bit more about you and your traveling and in different places and, uh, you know, where you're from and walk us through who Tim is. Yeah, so uh, as, as I already said, I'm originally from uh, Eastern Europe, a country called Belarus. Um uh, for the past what seven years, I've been like in uh, sales and marketing uh, in different roles. I started like in marketing agency as a content manager. Then I uh, moved into a sales position, got to be vice president of business development there, and then uh, I went to work for one of my clients called Smart IT, and I became a chief uh, marketing officer there. And now I am uh, also a co-founder in our own startup called Juggle. Uh, but before that, like, yeah, I was traveling around, studied to get my university degree from uh, University of Manchester. Uh, I'm engineer by education academically. I haven't spent a single day working as an engineer and I don't regret it. It's a good education. I never regretted it. But yeah, I kind of wasn't suited to be an engineer. So I moved to uh, more business domain. Mm hmm. Well, hey, you've got the degree. That's what counts, right? I mean, I think that's what people look at to say, oh, yeah, you started something and you finished it and you got through it. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess people nowadays can uh, tend to slander like academic education nowadays. I don't know why. Uh, it's better to have it than not to. I think. Yeah, I mean, it shows that you had perseverance and stuck it out and were able to get, you know, your education. And yeah, that's the very least. There's definitely some, you know, having an engineer type of brain in marketing is not a bad thing at all, right? Because then you can construct things and put things together and handle and, and kind of work with people who maybe have that type of mindset too. So it, it, can, it can be to your advantage for sure. I think it is like any sort of like, engineering or science stem education is just uh -huh. superior to everything else in, in terms uh -huh. of what it gives you uh yeah and like with marketing uh, i guess like our job was a little bit uh, it's glamorized a little bit too much people especially in junior position when they enter this field they accept something a little bit more glamorous than it is and then they realize oh it's it's there is like not much creativity it's all numbers it's just numbers and that's it. You work with numbers, not creativity. Well, there is a room for creativity, obviously. But first of all, you work for business. You need to count money uh, and different stats. And it's all about numbers. Mm -hmm. Yep. Getting an ROI. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, yes, it's all about the bottom line and the return on investment. But there are many numbers in between <laughs> before. Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I guess uh, yeah, many people don't expect it when they go into marketing. I guess it's a, a little bit unfortunate. It's a little bit too over glamorized on the internet, I guess. But and yeah, I saw many people just great attrition rate in the marketing field because people just expect one thing, but then after a couple of months, they realize eh, that's not for me. Hmm, true. It can happen. It, it does happen. But yeah, I think you're right. A lot of data processing and understanding how buyers buy and why they buy and what they buy and, you know, different levers and, and you know, things to, to pull and tweak and, and make even better. So let's talk a little bit about, you said you've been on the agency side and then you worked for a client, uh, client side. 
what side do you like the best, Tim? To be honest, it's like it's is it a cop out to say both? I think like I would not be saying cop out and say both. To be fair, I would say that starting out on an agency side is really good for you. Like as a starting point in your career, agency side is kind of perfect because like uh, over what three to four years that I've worked in agency, I worked in, in like. I don't know, 20, 30 maybe industry domains in total. Uh-huh. So it gives you a lot of like broad spectrum. It's broad spectrum, like different products, different clients that you interact, different types of people, uh, different teams that you need to work with. And like having this sort of like, and like being able to work like in a time efficient manner because you usually build by hours in an agency, you need to sell your services in an agency. So it's, and also working on a priority, you have several project projects, not all of them are as priority and as lucrative as everything else, but you need to kind of make a priority. So working as an agency as a start is really good for you to understand like uh, biz- uh, different businesses and the whole like marketing and sales field in general. But in terms of your comfort level, <laughs> feeling better about what you're doing, like after several years, I think moving on to like an in-house role where you'll only work for uh, one uh, project where you feel connected to the company and like full-time employment, full working week for just one business is preferential. But I guess I wouldn't trade the uh, agency years, uh, whatever. That makes sense. I think you're right. You get a general education in the agency side and and lots of different industries that you work with and lots of different tactics and ideas that come through. And then being able to work for a single brand or, you know, client that turned into your, your workplace, you know, working for the client, basically. Yeah, I see how it can give you lots of opportunities and advantages to be able to know how both sides of the fence works, for sure. Yeah, and working in an agency because you work with such a variety of clients, you quickly learn what you like and most importantly, what you don't like. Separating those two is very important. And like nowadays, like when I have a job offer from a particular like industry, I just immediately say, no, 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 not no, not, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> yep, I can see how that works too. And now you you're kind of. <laughs> juggling both right you're working for the client side but then now you're in a startup mode and creating juggle <laughs> see what i did there <laughs> and and juggle let's talk a little bit more about what juggle is and and what it does and the kind of the solution it provides for for businesses yeah so uh, the startup itself is actually originated from the company where i work in so it's an internal pro- project that we are building uh right now with the team at SmartIT originally. So uh, it's an HR tech product, which is uh, focusing on consolidating and combining uh, recruiting, interviewing, payroll, and uh, document management, and generally HR management in a single ecosystem. Because usually when you like, buy like a product, uh, it's usually like very focused on one particular thing. Like, we're doing document. We're doing HR, we're doing interviewing. It's like, but there's no, but there's no solution that does kind of everything else a little bit and uh, just yeah. good enough, I would say. And I just feel like business, like the market misses uh, a lot of things because there's so many tools that specifically focus on 
one thing only and you end up in like working in a browser with 15 different tools you pay like you have monthly payment for all and like the idea come with like we had our own business model at smart it in outstaffing and assembling remote teams we decided like the, the process needs to be digitalized and it eventually led us into creating a product for the market and like for me it was the idea of kind of like Obviously, like in, in digital marketing, we all know about the names like SEMrush or Ahrefs. So those are like kind of all-in-one solutions. Like originally, there were there were things that did everything a little bit better than SEMrush and Ahrefs. Like you had originally like the keyword tools that is better. You had like link building tools that are just just better than that. But you but those tools are the only ones that kind of encompasses all. You pay one time and you just don't worry about it. It doesn't perfectly good enough job for everything and that's kind of like my goal with juggle and our goal as a team to build a tool that is good enough for businesses to run everything in one platform right rather than cobbling them all together and and then having to duplicate data entry from one one platform to the next to the next to the next oh yeah i understand that pain because that's what happens is you're using so many different tools and so many different subscription fees so this seems like a pretty nice solution to be able to do the outsource services the interviewing and being able to create a global team and hiring people from multiple different locations and places and coming together so and not having to worry about legal liability and tax codes in different countries we can handle because like uh, smart it the company that i work for has been on the market for 11 years and been assembling uh, remote software development teams for like, as I said, 11 years. So you already have this experience in uh, getting the team, interviewing people, uh, running payroll for them, uh, sending contractors from different countries. And it's kind of nice to just lend the expertise out. Uh, and like, but the old like model was just like outsourcing and running business the old fashioned way. It's not preferential, especially at scale. We kind of reached the limit of what we can do as a company. So we needed like a tool to digitalize everything and allow our clients to utilize our services a little bit better. That's why we are building Juggle in the first place. Right, right. And that's what you're doing is you're kind of, you know, juggling all of those things and putting it together. <laughs> yeah, juggling all of those processes in one place. Because juggling is easy if you... Uh, if you just see the person and that's kind of our model make uh, remote hiring look easy if you look at the professional jugglers it doesn't seem that complicated you're just throwing things around and dropping them in time looks pretty simple <laughs> try to do it here. and hoping that you're not dropping the balls right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that, that's it that, that, that's the tool like you'll make it look simple well, and I think that it's especially an important feature to, to mention that you can do different payrolls in different countries because that is, that's a headache to a business owner to try to figure out. That makes it easier so that you can have a global workforce and you can have people from various different places and, you know, currencies, right? How people get paid and how they, you know, have different bank accounts in different places. So, I think that's a good tool for people to be able to have that global workforce. Different tax codes. 
And tax codes, yes, everywhere. <laughs> yep, and different rules to follow in different countries. That's pretty amazing. And different contracts for each. Even hiring a contractor can be very different depending on from country to country. Right, having contractors. So yeah, this will do not just employees, but more of the outsource side of things with the contractors. Right now we are focusing more on the contractor side rather than we have an employee of record uh, service available for a limited amount of countries. But uh, contractors are pretty much worldwide nowadays. Right, yep. It's the gig economy, you know, people can work anywhere at any time and, you know, do whatever we do. I mean, right now we're, you know, a world apart and you're, it's six o'clock, 6 p.m. your time and it works. It works for sure. So where do you see in the next, I don't know, a year, two years, how do you see our world evolving by being able to do more global workforce and, and having more, I mean, like we have a team out of the Philippines that help us, but uh, you know, and other people from other areas, I mean, do you see that this is going to continue to be the trend where people can hire people from anywhere in the world more often now? Yeah. We recently had a little bit of push back in the market from the big players back in the USA. So uh, like companies like Disney and Apple uh, uh, mandating like return to office, obviously. For the mid-sized uh, business and startups, I think it's a non-issue because like the difference is those companies like Disney, they have leverage to actually uh, force or people to go back to the office. But small-time businesses and mid-sized companies, I don't think like they're still fighting for the best talent. And best talents uh, nowadays, they realize uh, like during the pandemic, like you don't have to spend five days of work in the office and you can work from, from home. You can work from traveling. It doesn't impede you. Uh, and if you do your job well, like why would you? Why, why should you be in the office anyway? So. As, as long as the work is being done. I mean, there are pros and cons, obviously, to both working from the office and uh, remote work. Uh, for example, like the entire team at Juggle, like we, we are all like across the Europe right now. Like, I haven't seen my uh, like teammates and co-founders like in literally months nowadays, but we all like chat still. We have Zoom, we have Google Meet. It doesn't matter. We still uh, have progress. Uh, do I see it like becoming a new norm? Yes, I think it will be a new norm working from home because it also allows you to expand your hiring like beyond uh, like the reach of uh, your locale. Is because like like if you're a comp if you're a mid-sized business, uh, you're not an international company and you're not like living and you're not located in some big city like New York or uh, London where all the talent seems tends to congregate and where you have the, those big markets and big opportunities for people like but you still want to hire like a person then you, you can or sometimes like talent and uh, engineers they don't want to move in those areas they have families already kids mortgages everything they don't just leave everything behind and, and worry about moving to other places, other countries or, or even cities. Why, why bother? So I think like for mid-sized companies, for the startups, and eventually I think for the certain positions in the big companies, uh, this will become a, a new norm for sure. Some roles, I think, 
are just not suited for remote work and it's normal so some role obviously like you trying to remote work as a doctor is not very <laughs> right <laughs> that could be a little difficult to do but, but hey like some doctors can like you can be uh in terms of uh what therapist like if you're uh like psychologist totally you can do remote work one of the startups that originated from smart it does that with like mental health clinic in the us uh, totally remote works great actually so yeah certain roles will i i don't think will ever be uh like remote as a normal certain will become and certain i guess will uh be kind of in between and for the next two years i guess we'll see which roles uh would that be and obviously like there's a lot of shift like in recent years with the ai and machine learning technology we're also seeing some roles drastically changing already so we saw like the, the in terms of like digital art how everything changed so quickly so right yeah yeah ai generated imagery and it's very rapidly changing how things go but i think you're right it, de- it depends on the industry if you can you know and the, the type of job if you've got a hands on job obviously you have to be there but it's going to be interesting because you're right like like you said disney and apple and people are you know wanting people to come back to work But there's now this kind of idea that the workforce, you know, you want to, like you said, attract the right talent and they don't want to move, but they have the skill set that you need. Then you have to be flexible as an employer. And it's it's difficult because collaboration and, you know, in-person work can change if it's not necessarily in person. So it's just adapting and being flexible and and trying to understand what's going to work best. And I definitely see a difference between being in person and being able to brainstorm and collaborate and, you know, just go talk, walk over and talk to somebody in the office versus, you know, pinging them or, you know, doing that. But yeah, I think flexibility is key. I think that people can, you know, come back to the office, but with the idea in mind that they can still have that flexibility if they need it, maybe, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it all how it all comes together, but it's certainly opened up new opportunities that had never really happened before where people are now more comfortable using Zoom and, and you know, Google Meet and all the things now, or team meets and stuff. But and from like the business perspective, in terms of money and numbers, it gives you an economic opportunity to tap into talent that is not that expensive. For example, like obviously different parts of the world, different cost of living, different salary expectation. So as a mid-size or small-time business, you don't want to maybe pay for the uh, employees in the USA or in London or any like expensive places. So you will outsource everything or hire people from uh, Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, uh, certain parts of Africa. The salaries there for the and salary expectation of people are much less for the same work. So for you as a business, it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and you could be paying them a premium and not necessarily having to pay as much in, like you said, the States, you know, and and then if you pay them well, then they want to continue to work for you because it's, you know, they, their salaries are different and kind of on the flip side too, though, where people are getting remote jobs and getting paid a lot more in, you know, that remote job in our area and then trying to find talent in our area because now it's difficult because now they can get paid even more in other jobs in other areas. So it's kind of like there's a double-edged sword there for sure. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword, but like again, like uh, like I lived for half a year 
last year half a year I spent in Georgia, not Georgia, which is state in the US, Georgia is a country. country yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, and uh, I opened up like, uh, like a legal entity there uh, as an individual entrepreneur. The taxes there is 1%. Wow. Because Georgia wants to attract new talent, they want people to uh, live there and work there. So the tax code there, 1%. So obviously the salary expectation would be much less than the people from a country. Like right now I'm in Poland, obviously. Uh, for the same job, the taxes here is 10%. There is a difference. Big difference, and, yeah. And taxes yeah. that people are paying out of their pocket, obviously it will influence how much they will charge you. Yep, exactly. So knowing all that, being able to access and knowing those markets, that that's a power uh, as an employer you can utilize. Totally. I'm sure I don't need to throw a bunch of statistics and percentages at you for you to know that most of us spend too much time staring at screens. Being able to consume your content on the go means that your clients and customers can listen and learn from you without being tied to their desks. With Hello Audio, your customers can put their phones down, power off their PCs, close their MacBooks, and get the information they need from you while they're, let's say, walking a dog, doing a jigsaw puzzle, washing the dishes, maybe when they're in the car or exercising on the treadmill, sunbathing in their garden. Well, Hello Audio makes it incredibly easy for you. No more hours spent trying to figure out tech settings or trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole you can click publish on an audio feed in a matter of minutes and have control over who accesses what. So visit peppershock.com offers and sign up for a free trial of Hello Audio. Well, and since we're on the marketing journey, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit now. I would love to hear what are you seeing that has been highly successful and tactics that you've taken to help you get the word out there. I mean, obviously this podcast is one, but uh, I would love to know just kind of what comes to mind when I say, you know what, this is really working well. So in terms of uh, working well in, oh, I will be talking not only about juggle, but uh, like the marketing landscape in general, I guess it would be better. Yeah. Uh, different industries obviously utilize uh, different channels better uh, or worse. So for if you're in a B2B space, your social media game is completely different from B2C. And it's like drastically. For any B2C product, project, product, I guess like the social media is immediately your go-to uh, channel, everything there. For B2B, especially if you're like average check uh, and like the volume of your contract is high, like what are you going to do? Like advertise it on Facebook, in Facebook group? In, like let's not be kidding it's like everyone talking about social media marketing how powerful it is it is powerful for certain business uh for me what worked best uh right now for this kind of like uh, outsourcing model and uh, in b2b business is uh email marketing and outreach via linkedin and again email sales outreach those kind of like things still work like people shunned on like uh, think that email is kind of think of the past. No, email is really really good. Uh, another thing, obviously, like uh, SEO 
takes a lot of time, obviously, to build up. But once you kind of get the gears turning, it's uh, it has a snowball effect, which is really good. Uh, those things have been really, really good for us uh, at the moment. I know that for like so, so certain projects, like that I worked in the past, paid advertising through Google Ads is really good. Now I'm experimenting with uh, different types of content marketing and uh, we'll be experimenting with video content marketing in particular, which is a, a new area for me. Like, I'll be honest, I haven't worked much with video in the past. Uh, what I see right now, like in the B2B sphere, I think that like direct outreach via email uh, is pro and SEO would probably be your best bet. And obviously like uh, partnership networks that you can tap into with, with the business, getting rolled with uh, rolling out partnership pro programs like ambassador programs and trying to find already established businesses that have a sales funnel and tapping into them by offering them a revenue share. That's a really good tactic that we're exploring right now. Uh, for B2C, uh, which I'm not as versed in, I don't like, I have obviously experience there from the agency days. Like, I saw the all, always love like social media, Google ads work really well. And Google ads, especially, works really well uh, in kind of where the cost per click is particularly low. You can do run lots of experiments really quickly and especially now now it's even better like i heard like my colleagues saying that they use utilized chat gpt to kind of run internal tests for their marketing campaigns for the google ads to see which uh, advertising works better which wording works best which landing page converts best with like pretty like minimal spending on the actual clicks so it, it, it seems very, very, very promising. Uh, one of the things that I think will change is that many companies will start utilizing uh, the ML capability of tools like ChatGPT for running tests and crafting new campaigns, especially in the B2C sector. Because for the B2B, it's like the amount of clicks you're getting is like not even close. Your orders of magnitude apart in like B2B to B2C sector sometimes. I, I think that's kind of what I see the market is. Kind of, and one of the things that I also see changing is like each field becoming more and more complex. Uh, I remember back about six years ago where you could be pretty good generalist and kind of know a little bit about everything and be really good and being able to run the entire project by your own. Now, I don't think that's possible. I think that everything became very uh, hyper-specialized. You need niche knowledge for each uh, individual channel. You need like uh, a team and you need to focus on it. So yeah, so my advice six years ago would be completely different. I would say like, learn everything a little bit. Now I would say, if you're not going for the managerial position where you will be running a team of people, focus on something and be really good at it. Yeah, well, that's a good that's good advice because I think you can be a jack of all trades and a master of some, I suppose. But if you can get really good at something, 
that increases the value of what you can bring because you have that expertise over other people and then you get paid more because of it. And then you, you know, are the, the go-to person for that particular expertise that's needed. And you're right. I think now having a team of experts as opposed to a team of generalists can be helpful. And then maybe each person has their area of expertise and it works together and collaborative effort. So that's, that's definitely good. And another word of advice to anyone who's like running any sort of like marketing team, get yourself a good data analyst. Data that's analyst, like, absolutely. Like, that's a no-brainer. Like you really need a good that, that data analyst. If you're not satisfied with your da- data analytics, find another one. Like, find another one, yeah, for sure. Well, and that's the thing too. It's one thing to collect all the data, but then to understand it and how to apply it to, you know, using it and leveraging the data that you can consume because there's so many things now that we can look at and and use to impact all of the efforts that we're doing in marketing for sure for sure and gosh it just keeps exploding i think i just saw a headline that said 174 new ai apps that you need for your business i'm like 174 (laughs) i think in about a year there will be three from those 170 to be honest like everyone like Many people are just jumping on the train. We saw that with uh, like crypto market, for example, and when the NFT just exploded, like there were like hundreds of NFT projects that came to us and say like, we we are doing something really cool. We are doing something really great. Very few are still around. Very few crypto projects and blockchain projects survived the initial hype. So I think many of the companies like uh, they get some investment or maybe they just it's called the hype train for a reason yeah for sure well i'm sure that there's going to be some of the tools that will rise to the top that will stick around that people will want to use and but i always say too, you know use it with caution because it still needs some review with human intelligence not just artificial intelligence but we need to also use our hi <laughs> in human intelligence as well well definitely ai is Again, it's it's marketing ploy to call it in an AI. It's more of a machine learning uh, like engine, to be honest. That that's okay. what that's okay. what you actually have there. It's not AI as uh, let's say a science fiction novelist envisioned it uh, in the past. But it's uh, much more than we expected just a year ago. It's kind of exploded like in less than twelve months uh, in a pretty substantial way, I guess. And obviously. Like tools like ChatGPT and MidJourney as uh, image-generated content, it really shines a spotlight on how far the technology actually gotten in such a short period of time, which is really exciting. But again, like at, at this point, you actually don't know what the use will be because yes, like making pictures uh, from like console is really cool but what's the business application there and everyone trying to realize it right now so some people will succeed some people will fail at it uh just as always and it will be very interesting to see uh what exactly will be like in a year yeah and yeah what kind of tools actually stick around that people can find useful and find the business use for and and then what will not? And then all the subscriptions that people have signed up for to pay for, you know? <laughs> yeah, just have to watch your credit card bill. Make sure the, the ones that you've signed up for are the ones you're using. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Uh, 
Well, from the different tools, I think, like my personal opinion, I think that in especially in marketing, like making sure that you like have, uh, and that's actually a really uh, good point in terms of like what you can utilize as a machine learning and AI tools right now. Not all the agencies, not all teams have like internal like. Uh, uh, visual design uh, teams. They sometimes they outsource it to other agencies or hire contractors and freelancers for that. Now you actually can, for much less money, get everything done with uh, AI. So I think those tools will be very helpful for any marketing teams that uh, are listening. Uh, another thing is uh, copywriting. Obviously, like the copywriting capability of AI is not that great right now. It doesn't seem to write particularly interesting texts but it's a good start and if you just need some sort of like filler for the content that can be good it's good at generating the different ideas for content also that you as a copywriter can then use to rewrite everything and make like an editorial decisions uh that and obviously i would like to see what it will do with kind of like competitive analysis in terms of like what you can do with different keywords and how it will allocate and usually and obviously you utilizing it to run exp uh, like experiments with paid advertising i think will be uh, a separate service that will be just uh, digitalized and you'll pay a subscription fee and it will do it for you yeah, I think it's going to be ever-evolving, and it's exciting to see. It's also scary and kind of creepy, too, all the things that can be done now, right? I mean, it's like, wow! Certain things with the deep fakes are really scary. Like, like the, the things that change faces, uh, yeah. those are unset, un, unsettling. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the day when something is, you know, comes to, like, a court case and, you know, people won't be able to decide whether or not it has actually been, you know, artificially created or, or not, manipulated or not, right? I mean, that's scary to me to think that, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a matter of time before, like, uh, in the U.S. or in Europe, there would be some sort of, like, impersonation uh lawsuit well where does the content come from right because we, we want to always give credit where credit is due but if people are sampling you know i mean if artificial machine learning is sampling something of somebody's creativity but then it's modified into some creating something new like does that original you know because something has to come from somewhere right that's it in from the copyright yeah, copywriting, yeah. <laughs> then you sue those people, usually. But it's like, did I lose any money? But uh, yeah, I think like some sort of like copyright infringement or impersonation lawsuit will be... Uh, and it'll define what happens next, right, in, in the industry. So, well, it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens and how things come together and, and or not, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of just you... Just I didn't realize how like what an exciting time like uh, starting with like worldwide pandemic in what 2020 then like here in Europe we had like a conflict in Ukraine obviously uh, with the war that that started and kind of really affected the markets like you had uh, soon you will have another U.S. elections which is always fun and the oh, world <laughs> is watching now we have like uh, AI technology so everything moves a bit faster i guess nowadays uh -huh. yeah for sure well tim anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up today oh yeah so uh, well first of all thank you very much for having me it's been a really great conversation we've been, we've been all over the place a little bit but uh, yeah 
was fun. Uh, so yeah, the best uh, place to reach me would be actually LinkedIn. Uh, like I'm one of those marketing people who doesn't have any social media presence. I try to, <laughs> I try to keep everything uh, really private. So uh, because I have ad- other accounts like corporate accounts and everything else that I manage, I don't have time for my own. So LinkedIn is uh, the best way to reach me. Uh, you can uh, visit uh, smart-it.io if you're interested in software development project or you can uh, visit uh, juggalop.co to see our latest project. We, we we are not like in official release yet on the day of recording. I don't know when, when it's going to be published. Maybe it will be live, maybe not. And whether we change domain names or not. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we can always update the show notes for sure <laughs> to make sure. But the way you spell juggle is J-U, or, yeah, J-U-G-G-L, yes. essentially. Yeah, yes. yeah that's yes. great. I'm excited to see how this all comes together for you and, and using those tools. And I love it when something is created out of a need because the company that's creating it, it saw and identified the need and now is sharing it with others. And I think that's a great model because then you kind of firsthand know what's needed and why. So that's great. Yeah, definitely. It's like you, you think that like if we encountered that problem, like surely someone else has. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's going to go well. Excellent, Tim. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wonderful nuggets today and, you know, being able to connect with me from from Poland to Tampa, Idaho. I think this is just a wonderful thing that we get to do. And um, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's good that we come together this week because next week I would have been in Dubai, which another hour or two difference. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I was in Saudi Arabia at a conference. And um, so yeah, I actually got to fly through Dubai, had a layover there. So it's, it's, yeah, fascinating to, to be able to get to go places now. I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Tim. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you can do for us is to share this podcast with others, subscribe to it, download it, Give us a review on any of those platforms that you're listening to us now and make sure that other people hear what we have to say, because I think it's important for the world to know how to continue to build your brand and your bottom line in your business or your brand or your nonprofit or whatever case it might be. Uh, but for those of you listening, thank you and enjoy your marketing journey. Yeah. Enjoy the marketing journey. Share it, like it, do everything. <laughs> that's right that's right thanks for listening to the marketing expedition podcast want to continue the journey don't miss out on new episodes subscribe on itunes spotify amazon music or wherever you get your podcasts wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising the marketing expedition community is that place People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.